Hello gang, welcome back to Wandering to Wellness. Hello. Finn and Lydia here, your usuals, your regulars. And today we have Emily Yule, who is joining us from the States, I believe. And she is the founder of an amazing company, a real, uh, uh, like one is blazing a trail into a new, a new area as far as the world is concerned around uh, feminine hygiene and period care. And, and menstrual, you know, for, for me, uh, obviously menstrual care is not something that I'm ever gonna have to worry about for myself personally. But in my life, all I do is talk about health. And one of the areas around health that seems like such a massive taboo is menstrual care. It's that element of, you know, even for women, like it seems they can't talk to almost each other about it in a lot of situations. And so what I've found is like having panties on our shelves, which is fantastic, allows us to open up a conversation, which is really like blazing a trail towards I think a really powerful, you know, uh, exposure of one of the last taboos, one of the last frontiers in terms of healthcare. Um, so I guess the first thing we want to ask you is for those of, who don't know about it, what is period underwear? For sure. So I'm Emily. I'm one of the founders and CEO of Panties. And um, period underwear is underwear that looks and feels just like normal underwear. Um, so when you kind of pick it up or take a look at it, it, it should look and feel like a, a gorgeous pair of underwear that you wanna wear. Um, but in the liner, we have a, a liner that's technological. It's super absorbent. It kills bacteria, it kills fungus as well. Um, and it's uh, leak proof. So it's something that you can use during your menstrual cycle, either to replace disposable products um, or in combination with, for example, a menstrual cup or in combination with um, tampons or other products to avoid leaks. And so I think we really see the objective of the product is um, from my perspective, personally, as a founder to bring more sustainability and comfort to the menstrual cycle. I think uh, when we look globally, almost a trillion disposed uh, menstrual products are disposed every year in the world. So it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge environmental impact. Um, and I really think that reusable products are the future of this space. Um, but I think that when we're working with, you know, customers in our community, we see beyond that comfort and sustainability, our product also brings another level of security during the menstrual cycle. So especially young girls that are getting their first period, um, I think that's a high risk time where nobody wants to have leaks. Actually, a lot of girls don't even know when they're going to, their cycle is not regulated. So they don't know actually when their next cycle will be coming. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it provides that extra security as well um, during during the menstrual cycle. And, and so 10 years ago, I mean, I don't know if there was any period underwear brands out. There was menstrual cups. 10 years ago, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what? How, how does this suddenly happen in 10 years? I mean, it's not like, I listen, I'm, I'm hats off to you. It, it is a revolution, <laughs> but it's a pair of pants. It's not like, you know, a microchip that wasn't that didn't exist. It seems like something that should have come years before. So how come, what, what's the lineage? Where did it come from? And why, why did it suddenly emerge all of a sudden out of kind of nowhere? No, I agree. And I'm a chemical engineer also by training. So I think that it's something that even from the innovation side, the more we have women in leadership roles and, mm. you know, look at big pharma. I came from a big pharma background. You know, there's no CEOs that are female in the big consumer brands in the US or in Europe. And I, I think that that's something that is changing. Um, so I think part of it is that is, you know, also leadership. But, um, but you know, one of our mentors, for example, is an executive at Amazon. And he said the same thing. And I think it's so interesting that even men from the outside who don't have menstrual cycles are saying, how is it that it took so long for underwear and a menstrual solution to kind of come together? It took forever. I mean, I think the first menstrual pad was developed by Johnson & Johnson uh, over 100 years ago. It took 100 years 
for someone to think about how to integrate that into Stitch the, them okay. into the goddamn knickers. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and I think that, um, the first menstrual underwear were really designed to be leak proof. They weren't designed to be that absorbent um, with a focus on avoiding leaks. Because I think menstrual leaks, if you survey women, um, you know, 80% of women will say that they've had a menstrual leak in a public place and like it's a disaster. And especially as a teenager, I think that that's kind of a coming of age experience that all women accept as a part of growing up, but why it shouldn't be, you know, there should be other solutions that prevent that from happening. Um, and so I think that when, you know, the first brand started coming out, you see a lot of both customer reactions in terms of like, Ooh, like, what is that? Oh, does it work? And so kind of a lot of uh, doubts and concerns around the product and then the industry going like oh that looks really niche like that doesn't look like it's you know going to be but when you think about it every menstrual product you use with a pair of underwear and so you know I firmly believe whether it's in combination with other menstrual products or your know, menstrual underwear used by itself I think it will be the biggest category within the menstrual health space a decade from now. It's such an amazing thing. I mean, I, when I first started using them, I think three years ago, I knew like two other people that were using them. And now, like everyone that I know, all my friends use them. Uh, all my clients use them. I tell everyone about them and then they use them. And at the beginning, people were very hesitant. They hadn't really heard of them. I think people's major concern that I was hearing was they were like, is it like wearing a nappy? Like, am I going to be wearing this big, soggy, nappy thing? Is everyone going to see it? Is it going to feel really wet and uncomfortable mm -hmm. and kind of gross? Um, and I would be like, no, no, look, look, here are my yoga trousers. Like, have a look. They just look like normal knickers. And people were kind of amazed. They couldn't believe. Yeah. And, and, and then I think then the quickly, the second question was like, number one, do they leak? And number two, like, what's in them? Why does it work? And I guess that's a question that I would like to ask you to explain a little bit more, like, how do they hold the blood in such that it doesn't smell, it doesn't leak, and it isn't like bad for you by creating a kind of moist, damp environment? Mm. Yeah, no, I think that that is, um, and we say that it looks and feels like normal underwear because if you're feeling at all, you know, like humid, and that, then probably you're reaching the full capacity of the product. And that, that's mm. how we let people know, like if for whatever reason you're not feeling dry, then it's probably time for you to change um, change your underwear. <laughs> um, but but in terms of the technology itself, I mean, the way that our product works, we have our own patented technology. And um, when we launched our product as well, we were really focused on having a product that was super absorbent to also be able to replace disposable products. And so at that time, most of the, the brands were really focused on leak proof and, and we wanted to bring a product that was really absorbent. Um, and so we have... Um, a multi-layer liner that we developed where, you know, the first liner is made of modal, which is a natural fiber. It's made from um, eucalyptus trees uh, mm -hmm. locally in Brazil. We use all of our products are made ethically in Brazil. Um, and we have a lot of give back programs in the Amazon and, and with carbon offsets that we can talk more about here as well. Um, and so, and that first liner actually has a, a technical, it's woven in a way that helps actually direct the menstrual flow down into the second, the, um, the layers in the middle. So depending on whether you're using a, a light flow or medium flow or heavy flow, we have a number of layers in the middle to support different flows. Um, and then those layers in the middle are super absorbent um, technology, a, a different material than the top layer. Um, and then um, underneath that, we have a leak proof layer, but all of our 
liner is uh, antimicrobial, so it kills bacteria, it kills fungus, helps reduce this infection as well. And, and all of our products are free of you know, polyfluorides. I think a lot of, um, this is an unregulated space really. And so me coming from a healthcare background, I was really concerned about, you know, this is a product that's sitting on the private parts of women and women have babies and women have very complex bodies and, and need special you know, attention from a healthcare standpoint. So um, one of the first things that we did after launching was um, proactively looking for a partner to help us execute clinical studies of our product. And so um, we executed, we're now the, the first and only brand that has is clinically approved um, and entered studies to prove that the product is safe, that it's effective, that it doesn't have any chemicals that are gonna harm your body. Um, and even things like, we got a lot of questions at the beginning about you know, the microflora of the vagina, for example, which is very controversial. Like, do you wash with soap? Do you, do you wash at all? Like, what is your, you know, and I think every woman has her preferences, but the important takeaway is that, you know, we've proven, for example, that our product, the technology doesn't affect the microflora of the vagina, that it preserves the good bacteria that are there. It's not like killing, you know, proactively killing bacteria that are actually good for you in that environment. And so, um, and we did those studies together with Johnson & Johnson, which is a partner of ours. But um, so we feel really confident, I think, looking at the technology, not just as an absorbent, you know, like a ton of fabric absorbing, but actually something that's really technologically robust and really mm -hmm. safe and effective for women. Um. Yeah, and then, sorry. No, go on. Um, I, I think that that's really, really important. And it, it is exactly one of the questions. And I think for me, I did training in womb yoga therapy and we looked a lot at menstrual cycle and how to live within your cycles and how important it is to use the right menstrual products and how that affects not just your period, but then your, your menopause later. And I guess what you were saying really leads nicely on into that topic a little bit in that, why is it better? Mm. I mean, I know why, but I'm going to hear from you. Why do you think it's better that people use period knickers rather than Tampax or pads? Like, what are the benefits to our body? And then we can go into the benefits to the planet a little bit afterwards as well, maybe. Sure. No, and I think I'm a strong believer that the menstrual space is a space of pref personal preference. Mm -hmm. So I'm not an evangelist saying that everyone has to use menstrual underwear, that it's the only solution. I think that that's important. I think empowering women is giving them the power of choice of what they think is best for their bodies. Um, but it's also the power of education and knowing what you're using in your body. So for example, most women aren't aware that you know tampons and most pads are, are made of synthetics, that over 50% of the product is synthetics, that it has a number of you know bleaches and chemicals that are proven not to be helpful for your body um, and for your vagina. So it's something that, you know, especially, I think there was a big um, documentary in France that just talked about the toxins and tampons and it really like shook up the market. And so that hasn't happened in an English speaking market yet, but maybe we should be thinking about that. Um, and so I, you know, I was always a tampon user. And I think that after, um, after I did my MBA and you know, my master's programs, I kind of like went through a shift where I was like, I need to focus on taking care of myself. I need to be more healthy. And like, I got off hormonal, um, you know, uh, contraceptives and like really was focusing on and studying more how to take care of better care of myself. And I think um, for me as a tampon user for most of my life, transitioning to menstrual underwear, it was just such a natural 
way to menstruate. And I just felt like my body was so much more in sync and I felt much more self-aware about my menstrual flow and my cycle, which days are heavier, which days are lighter. And I think that there's an empowerment that comes with that because, you know, and as you guys mentioned at the beginning, menstruation is taboo, but it's, it's also something that, you know, when you're throwing it away every month, there's a psychological connection with trash, that it's a, a space from your body that's dirty. And, um, and that has a psychological impact. And so when I, that was also a change for me when I switched to menstrual underwear, I started saying, and, you know, obviously our product, I started saying like, this is something that um, I feel like I'm more connected with my body. I feel like I'm more connected. And I understand that, for example, menstrual fluid is not, you know, it doesn't have bacteria and it's not actually a waste from the body. I mean, I think a lot of um, it's something that's pure that comes from the body in a more and more pure way. So I think that we see that that kind of self-awareness and self-acceptance is something that brings a, a lot of empowerment to women and brings a stronger emotional connection um, as well and, and kind of takes away that association that it's something that's kind of dirty. And the comfort, you know, obviously brings a big quality of life difference. So something that we see a lot of customers say is I forgot, I totally forgot that I was on my period. Why? Because they wake up, they put on a pair of underwear, like it's any normal day, and then they go about mm. their day. And so, and that's a huge psychological shift in that you're seeing um, a day that's less, less uncomfortable or more comfortable and, and feels like a normal day. And so for me, that's the ultimate success. Like women that come and they say, and during our clinical studies, we also got that um, claim that we can say that you forget that you're on your period on, on our product, which is unbelievable because it's really a transforming to, entirely the, how she experiences her menstrual cycle. Interesting. Yeah. I bet you're going to want people to remember they're on their period, don't you? Yeah. I know you want to make that point. You want I to be like controversial now. You're like, well, I agree. I agree, I agree in, uh, on one level because I know how it is to have a period be really uncomfortable and to be, you know, have cramps and to be like physically uncomfortable. I remember when I was using Tampax, you know, it would depend where you were in your flow, but certainly towards the end of the cycle, it would be too dry really to use a Tampax, but that was your only option. Yeah, so you'd be putting sure. your Tampax in there, stuff was kind of dry, it would get inflamed. Mm -hmm. As you said, it's full of stuff that isn't so good for your body, but it's also really, really absorb absorptive, absorb absorptive, 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 maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know the word, but it does that thing where it absorbs stuff and it absorbs also the mucus, all the stuff, all the lining of your vagina is meant to be moist and it's not meant to be super dry and it absorbs all that stuff, not just the blood in there. And so you get this, you're much more likely to get things like vaginosis or thrush or any of those kinds of things. And I remember that feeling of being like, oh, I kind of need to use this tampax because otherwise it might leak, but also it's going to be really sore and that, and that just kind of the discomfort. And and also obviously the cramping and the whole thing of just like trying to figure out where you would go to the toilet and where would you have the thing and did you remember them and how to buy them and all the stuff. And when you switch around leaks, you know, I think that's the, yeah. It's a real sure. thing, especially like in my job where you're a yoga teacher, you're at the front of the class and you're in leggings, you're bending over all the time mm. and you're like, if I leak right now, it's Not in good. front of a lot of people. Yeah. That's embarrassing, you know, mm. even when you're older. And I remember having situations where arriving to class and like, having leggings on and not having a spare pair and maybe they're pale pink and going oh like Whoops. what do I do now do what? I teach the whole class with my legs together or do I say to the class so here's the situation <laughs> what, you know what do I do about this and so I really agree on that level that switching to panties and period pants is the, the comfort is just totally different and I say it to everyone you just put on pants that are really comfortable that look really nice that feel really nice and that's it 
it's not complicated. Mm. It's, it's just as simple as that. And you look, for, I like, I look forward to it. I'm like, great. Now I get to wear my panties and this is the way that this is. And there are loads of different styles and all of that kind of thing. But I think also forgetting you're on your period is brilliant from the comfort point of view, but you made the other point, which is that you're actually more in touch with your body. Mm. So in that way, you're less able to just kind of pop a pill and go into work and forget that you're on your period. You're more going, hang on, what does my blood look like? Mm. Is it bright red? Is it dark? Are there clots in it? Is it heavier this month? Is it lighter this month? And you're learning to understand like, oh, that's information that I'm getting mm. about how healthy my body is, or if my body's under strain, or if I'm a bit more tired, and then you can start to adapt those things mm. from those practices. So I think whilst it does label you from a comfort perspective to forget that you're in your period, it also reminds you about the benefits of your period and the understanding to get back in touch with those natural rhythms of your body again yeah and it's also like it's maybe less of a confronting thing again speaking from outside it but it's more of an invitation invitation back to a conversation with yourself about your biological rhythms as opposed to like here's the thing do something about me now you know yeah. it's like okay well i prepared for that and here we are and I'm getting home in the evening and I'll understand a little bit more what my what was happening today and how I was like, was I bleeding heavily or lighter or whatever and how I felt emotionally within that. All of the other things that you teach around journaling around those sorts of things and like engaging with your womb space and engaging with that moon phase and, and beginning to understand that, I guess, is, is being done in a much gentler way once you're using period underwear, right? Um, yeah. And so I think forgetting is more about, like you said, it's more around that security in the day, but you still are obviously, like you said, more in touch with your you know, blood and you get to see how it is. And that's, that's almost a litmus test on what's going on in your body, in your ecosystem, in your you know, emotions. And just like meditation, you know, like you meditate mm -hmm. every day, some days you have, you know, kind of worse days, if you, if you will, in terms of meditation, that's a litmus test that like you have monkey brain today and like yeah. it's not day for making decisions and that's fine. And I think the menstrual cycles is another really powerful for women indicator on what's going on um, in your body and in yeah. your mind. Yeah, totally. it's interesting. We, we spend a lot of time talking and particularly this, this season, we've done like blogs and lots of education within our team around urinary tract infections and all of that sort of stuff, which always increases this time of year. The kidneys are exposed to cold and certainly in this part of the world, they are maybe less so in Brazil and I don't know where you are, but um, it's less shorts and t-shirts weather. And so it's really interesting to, to link those things together as well, to start to think about how bladder health is also affected by this. All of like anything where you start to adjust the pH, uh, you start to kind of like augment the environment, you're starting to break down or irritate the mucosal membrane, either in the vagina or in the, the ureter or the urine tract, all those sorts of things. They have like really fundamental effects on and, and like spiraling out effects on different parts of women's health as well, right? Completely, yeah. And we just recently launched an incontinence product which oh, is cool. the most absorbent um, reusable underwear in the world. It holds a hundred milliliters of urine and it's wow. a completely different line, liner technology. Yeah, it's amazing. And, but it's, you know, it's so interesting because incontinence and I think urinary health in general is way more taboo than menstruation. Even for mm -hmm. us talking to influencers, talking to Doctor, you know, nobody wants to talk about this space at all, but how many women have had urinary a million? I mean, it's, a, it's such a common, um, and especially with age, you know, women that have had children and, you know, it's such an important area for women's health as well. Yeah, yeah I think we, we did a podcast with a pelvic health specialist um, talking about internal pelvic floor health pre and post baby and just generally anyway. And she was saying the same thing, like, anal incontinence I think she said was like one in 10 people post birth 
experience yeah. incontinence and 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 urinal incontinence is higher again then i mean you like women always talk about like oh i sneeze better be careful mm. <laughs> if you sneeze or you go on a trampoline or any of those kinds of things and, and i think the thing is is that we don't know that everyone has it it's not normal because no one talks about it because everyone's like oh i don't want to say that that happened to me and i think the the space that period pants bring back in is around these taboo subjects like menstruation or about urinal incontinence it allows you to just you can just be normal. You can just wear knickers that look normal and even look sexy. You're just wearing them. Yeah. It's not like you have to suddenly be in this like separate category of like, you know, put over here, like don't talk about it, it all looks a bit murky and disgusting. It's just like, and then I just wear knickers like any other day and no one has to know. I know and I feel safe. And that mm -hmm. gives people freedom, massive freedom to not feel like they're in some kind of alone little box, but actually like everyone has this. And cool, now we have this product that sorts it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit more about the um, the sustainability aspect, because that's huge. And for for us, we were selling another competitor brand of, of period underwear for, uh, for a few years before we got, well, a couple of years before we uh, found panties. And honestly, I think, when we came to this idea, this notion around, okay, so period underwear is obviously better than, you know, using Tampax or these sorts of, you know, disposables. Um, there was a sense that sustainability was, an, was, a, was a, a focus for those brands. But actually, now that I know panties, I'm not sure that it really was. Because when I was exploring like the CO2 uh, carbon footprint of your, your products, and you've done comparative carbon footprint studies with other other brands and other types of products like it's amazing the detail you've gone into so I love you could like walk us through that kind of sustainability focus of plantings. No absolutely and I think you know we above everything else we're a mission-led company and so everything that we do is focused on innovating in health and sustainability so in order to do that well we have to be number one in terms of health where we have the clinical studies we have to be number one in terms of sustainability um, right now we're the only uh, menstrual underwear brand that is also a certified b corporation and i don't know if you've talked with other brands that are b corps um, but it's it's really an amazing framework um, when i was at berkeley i studied with some of the founders of the b corp but it's a big movement now a global movement and it's really focused on um you know, corporate responsibility, but kind of not regulating it, but defining a framework to help companies structure in a more holistic way. So when you think about, you know, at the end of the year, we have to submit our financial reports to the government of, you know, and it, and it looks like from a regulation standpoint that financial resources are the only resources that matter or that are important, um, which is definitely not the case. So the B, the B Corp framework basically says you have to do an accounting, like an actual accounting of your social impact, of your environmental impact and of your human resources impact um, in the community. And then there's also kind of a governance aspect where they look at, you know, how transparent are you and like, how are you structured? And so, so that's a big difference is having like actual goals and having, um, you know, closing our numbers in terms of what our, you know, social impact is and what our uh, environmental impact is as a company. So in terms of a framework, that's kind of how we think about it. And um, looking at corporate results, not just from a finance standpoint, but also from a, a, an environmental and social standpoint. Um, I think as a menstrual underwear brand and being in the menstruation space, and I've worked for a long time in the healthcare space, and I think I really love health because it's a really large, complex industry, but it's also human right. And so there's a responsibility um, there to acknowledge that it's not just about 
producing products and selling products, but it's also about education. It's also about access and making sure that people who can't afford products have access to products. And that's not a problem that PNCs can solve by ourselves, but working with you know public partners like the government or working with nonprofit partners to help with you know distributing products so we do donations every month we have an ongoing donations program and anyone that posts for example on instagram or facebook any uh, even uh, packaging of panties we do a donation per post because we really like to let our community be a part of the solution and it's not just about panties donating but also you the customer you mm. you know as a person helping us do that donation so basically and, and for us, it's great because instead of you know giving money to Facebook, we basically say, I'm going to give, you know, you helped us share panties. So we're going to give, instead of investing in Facebook, I'm going to give this product to somebody who needs it, which I would love to do that. I wish that we could scale our business that way. I think it would make a lot of sense. Um, it doesn't it? It should work. It's a good formula. Yeah, because period poverty is, is a massive thing, Rich. I think maybe that's something that you could talk into a little bit because I'm not sure how many people really understand that that is a big issue. I've even thought about that, right? We just use our, okay, from the sustainable point of view, you know, there's disgusting statistics about how much stuff goes into landfill and how long it takes to break down. And I know we did a lot mm. of stories on that before. Um, and maybe you have the statistics around that. And if you do, you could share them with us. But, but I think people aren't thinking about like, well, okay, whether I want to use sanitary pads or Tampax or period pants, whatever, I know that I can go to school mm. and I use them, right? I, maybe I don't have them, I have to go to the shop and get them. But in loads of parts of the world, the girls actually just don't even get to go to school when they're in their period because they don't have access to any of those kind of products. Mm. No, absolutely. I think that right now um, there's over 500 million women and girls in the world that don't have access to menstrual health. So it's enormous. Um, and I, I mean, it's just, it's such a big problem that you can't even imagine in today's world that women don't have access to basic healthcare products. And, you know, obviously most countries in the world still are taxing menstrual products. And, you know, there's a lot in there. I think the UK just got rid of, for example, uh, menstrual tax, Canada too recently. So that's something that I hope will, will help improve access is, is helping improve affordability. Um, in the UK, I think it's one in 10 girls don't have access. In the US, it's one in seven. In Brazil, it's one in four. You know, in a lot of developing Africa, also one in four um, around that. So it's just unbelievable. Like just a, a lot of, and girls, like you said, it's not just a challenge about access. It's also um, a gender equality and a racial equality uh, challenge, because when we look at different markets, you know, in Brazil, for example, two thirds of girls affected are, are black. So we see that it's not equally affecting um, different races and uh, it's very complex, but I think what the hope is for me and for, for us in looking to the future is that I really believe that reusable products will be the solution to help close the gap on menstrual poverty because Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Like, no that's, that's an important point. Sorry, finish it. Finish it. No, no. I mean, I just I think it's it, it will be the solution because if you think about access, even we've we've been working with some government programs as well here. If you think about a disposable product, if you have to give them access every month, imagine the logistics. A lot of time, the logistics is more expensive than the actual product, and you have to deliver every month. But if you give, for example, menstrual underwear. The product lasts two, three years. You're giving, you're actually solving a problem within a community for a long period of time, and so that's something that we're really looking at. And I, I just believe so strongly is going to be part of getting rid of menstrual poverty globally is reusable products because disposable products to me they just don't make sense in today's world. 
you no, know, it's like, exactly. if, like it's, if you have good alternatives, like why would you use a disposable product? And it and, and it makes sense on so many levels because and I mean I remember thinking that when I first switched to panties, it was like looking okay you look at the cost it's slightly more expensive than buying a normal pair of knickers but not really it's kind of you're buying a nice pair of knickers it's kind of equivalent but you're going okay well now once I've bought I, and I don't know what your recommendation and maybe you can talk about that in a minute it is but I have about well now I have loads because <laughs> I got obsessed <laughs> I've got about 10 pairs but um I find that really useful because I don't have to keep worrying about washing them and drying them and the whole thing mm -hmm. and I've got ones I wear at night and on lighter days and prettier ones and sexier ones and the whole thing just like my normal knickers but the thing is is that also when you're giving them to girls who don't have access to them okay they have them forever but they also can wear them on days where they don't have their period, right? Mm -hmm. So you're solving a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. You know, they're yeah. not that you just only have to wear your, they're so That's comfortable and so normal. Yeah. It's just, mm -hmm. those are your knickers then. Yeah. So it covers two bases at the same time, right? No, absolutely. And it, it also, um, it's more economical when you look at, you know, the cost per cycle. Um, it's much more economical than disposable products. Um, but it's interesting because lingerie was developed as a hygiene product. I think we forget that because lingerie has become so, you know, kind of sexualized. And then, and it's also now it's fashion, which is fun. But, you know, I mean, originally uh, any type of underwear was actually put for hygiene reasons to prevent, you know, genitals of men or women from getting dirty and you know that was in a time where we had a lot more issues with hygiene in in the population so but it's something that I we forget that's I mean, that's fascinating yeah. i mean I, I always see like i think the adam and eve fig leaf it's about you know yeah. uh what you call it like like feeling whatever like, there, like exposed exactly. and like yeah exactly that sort of thing modesty. like if it's shy modesty that thing i never realized it was about hygiene from the outside world which is a totally different that comes out opposite almost yeah, because think about even underneath like you know petticoats and like these you know yeah, old time yeah, dresses yeah. like women still wear underwear and so uh, you have mud slashing up when yeah. you're strolling <laughs> through the, street. the cobbled streets with exactly. their open sewers lovely so, uh, and my, my, the history of garments is so interesting like underwear garments but maybe that could be yeah. an exposition or something that we could work on but that's uh, cool that's a really yeah, cool idea really nice. Yeah, and talk because I'm sure there's some really interesting innovators who've like broken the mold, like you guys are doing, like really disrupted like what people's thoughts were around it. There is, and um, there's a, um, I think in the UK right now, there's an exhibition of the history of periods. Um, oh, is there? going on? No way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know about that. Um, I was like, someone was sending me pictures the other day going, look, look. I was like, I want to go. It's so, <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, like you said, I realized that they were more expensive or they, they're kind of an expensive investment in, if you think about it. But once you have them, that's it. I don't buy them anymore. I've got yeah, them. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's not expensive. And it's and it takes the stress out as well. You know, you're not having to remember you're always there, you're always prepared and you have them. Yeah. Like the one thing I would just while we're on this, it's kind of jumping slightly, but you said two to three years. And that was a question that I've been wondering in my head. Like, mm. how do you know when you've got to the end of them? Like, how do you know, okay, now I should probably switch them? No, for sure. I think, you know. I have products of ours that are now going on five years. So I think they can really last like a very long time. Um, and I think that most women, we've actually done surveys on this, but most women also keep normal underwear much longer than you should, like until literally it rips off your body. This, like, is, like, this is the same as toothbrushes. It's the same as pillow slips. Yeah. It's like all of these things. Yeah, we're we, Anything we're really that's hygiene-based, people use until it's, you know, like you said, the toothbrush is like, you know, crumbling over to the side yeah. or turns green or something. So, um, so I think so long as you're using, if it's absorbing properly and you're not sensing any change in 
smell, then if then it's working, um, it should be working great for you. But but we do recommend, you know, especially because you know, ever two or three years kind of doing a, a change just because I think that it, you just, over time, you wanna make sure that all the antimicrobial properties and everything continue, continue working. Most of those treatments last up to about a hundred washes. So that's, oh, okay. that's, yeah, that's generally kind of okay. what we look for. But, and you guys have that fantastic thing that we have in stock as well, which is this lovely compartmentalized kind of travel bag as well. So you can keep yeah. a pair mm -hmm. that's hygienically separated, hermetically sealed from a fresh pair. So you can have a change with you where you don't have to think about like resealable bags. I know that's what you've used or what well, like, I guess a lot of them probably use. Like so it's a really nice bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Box, exactly. That's what I was going to say is, um, is can we, like I've done on my Instagram, I went through, because so many people kept asking me like, well, how do you use them? And it, it was just kind of, people were baffled. Like, how is this? What do I do with this? Mm. I don't know why, because so many people use the moon cup and they seem to be fine with that, which is actually just so much more complicated and faffy actually if you're out and about than panties but for some reason people just have a thing in their head where they're like I don't understand how do you use it so I've done a few like Instagram stories of like this is how I use them this is how I wash them this is how I store them this is what I do on different days but could you break that down for us like how do you get up you put them on what do you do with them at the end of the day that kind of stuff so people understand for sure. So, I mean, I think that the goal is that she can use the product almost her whole day. I think that obviously that's the biggest question we get is changing in the middle of the day and understanding how long the product works for you. And the truth is it, it really depends on your flow. So, uh, you know, some, and your flow changes along your periods. So, and that's something that I think is part of that self-awareness process. But I think the standard experience, let's say on a heavier day where you need to change is you would wake up, you know, put on your, your new panties and maybe take some kind of like you said either a ziploc bag or we have the our silicone bag that you can use to take an extra product with you um i have a lighter or more moderate flow so i'm usually good from you know seven in the morning until about seven in the evening like a full 12 hours um but you know some people would say oh arriving at seven or eight hours they have to change and so go to the bathroom you just take off your underwear usually i just put it straight in the um my travel bag and then put on a fresh pair and then when I get home I always rinse it out with water um and then just put it to kind of dry and then I wash it in the washing machine later but all of our products also come with a, a wash bag so you can just throw it in the washing machine um and uh, some people say like oh you know can you put menstrual blood in the washing machine is that going to turn like all your clothes red and stuff and I think that that's something that over the the average woman menstruates about 60 milliliters which is like this much it's like really really little um and so per day it ends up being like 10 it's just so much less blood than you imagine that it is mm. and if you're using tampons and if you're using pads and especially pads because they kind of swell up when you use them you think mm. like it's so much blood like it's gonna you know get everything but it's really not that much blood at all so I think that that's one of the big surprises that we hear um but and especially on those lighter days like you mentioned I mean a lighter day you can 7 a.m all the way to the end of the day easy um, so. and do you one thing that I wanted to ask was that you uh, and people have said this and I've done it by accident so many times is they always say don't put them in the tumble dry um and like yeah. they end up in the tumble dryer because you put them in your wash with all your other stuff and then you're like, I'll take them in. out and then they're mixed <laughs> in and pairs get in there. Like, is it a total disaster if they go in the tumble dryer a couple of times and why is it that they shouldn't be in there? For sure. Yeah, we also recommend not using any fabric softener or any mm -hmm. 
chemicals. So if you can use like more neutral um, soaps or natural soaps, that's also much better. Um, but the reason is you don't, you definitely don't want to put in the dryer and our wash bags help with that a lot because it, they're kind of separate from the rest of your underwear. You can just take it out and say like air dry. Great. Um, but, but it's because the, the leak proof liner um, will be damaged in heat. So okay. any type of like, if it's on high the dryer, then maybe you're going to, you know, maybe it's not, you're not going to have the same functionality, but if it's something mm -hmm. that's more of a lower temperature, then you may not have any problem if it's, you know, once or twice thrown in the dryer. Um, cool. Yeah. Can I jump back a little bit? Cause I had a question a while ago and mm -hmm. it was just, we all got too deep. Did finish talking um, about sustainability too? Cause we got, we went down the menstrual, yeah, the period poverty and then we can too. Defo, yeah, but like, so have you witnessed, uh, you know, people in like lower socio socioeconomic kind of like areas and them getting a pair of panties and going from zero period care menstrual, you know, health products around mm -hmm. them to a pair of panties? And how do they react? How does that go? Like, are they as confused as, as women who've been using tampons for their entire life? Or, or do they just like, oh, cool, this is natural? Or how does it work? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think any, there is a high switching cost for any new menstrual product. So that's something that we see that a lot of um, women and girls, whatever their moms kind of pass down to them is what they adopt and they use and they feel safe and comfortable with that product. So any new menstrual product, whether it's you've used pads your whole life and somebody says, try a tampon or try a menstrual cup or try it. I think that there is a, there's an, a discomfort with trial. And so that's something that we we really work on education and kind of that mouth to mouth of, you know, you know, friends selling friends. Like you said, I think that's probably one of the best channels we do work with. For example, we have worked with some communities like in the, the Amazon. We work with a number of tribes that we've adopted the women in the tribes. Um, because one of the things that we heard in working, you know, starting to work with them is that when they use disposable products, they actually throw away the disposable products in the Amazon forest, which is horrible. And so um, that was when we started our donation program, one of the first areas that we focused because we said, we're gonna have like an immediate impact on these women in the community. And we're also gonna have an immediate impact on the environment there because these products take, you know, disposable products can take up to 500 years to decompose. Um, and, and our products are also made with, if you look at most menstrual underwear, they're made with um, nylon fabrics. We use a special technology that's actually a biodegradable nylon that dispose that biodegrades in three years. So, um, so our product is actually much more from a actual textile standpoint, more sustainable, um, even in the disposal of the product. Um, but I think that these women, it's like, you know, telling them how to use it. But since most of them have had experience with underwear, even in the Amazon tribes, it's much easier to adapt than even like a pad or a tampon for them. So yeah, it's actually less technology. It's like, but the unlearning is essentially yeah. what you need to do to get it's people like, towards, yeah. Period. yeah. Well, that brings me to the next question. You were saying, so you guys have the technology that allows once your, once your, your panties go to landfill or wherever they go, they break down within three years. That's amazing. And I'd love yeah. you just to give us the statistics on what is the carbon footprint of a pair of panties? I think, is it 1.6 kilos? 
It's 1.18 is our average, but each of our products, each of our models have their own carbon label. Um, yes. And so we actually launched, we're the first and only brand of menstrual underwear now that have a carbon label. And I think, I really think it's the future. I think that, you know, just like you look at nutrition Definitely. labels and how that's completely changed how people consume products. And like when nutrition labels came out, all of a sudden you realized that there were sugars hidden in like so many yeah. like yogurts. Like you were like, oh my gosh, my yogurt has as much sugar as a Coca-Cola. Like actually it really does, but nobody knew it. And that's why it tasted so good. So, um, so I think that the carbon labels are going to do the same thing for the fashion industry. Um, when we look at, and even, you know, menstrual health, but when we look at you know, the fashion industry is one of the top 10 industries in the world that is polluting the environment. Um, when you look at waste in the ocean, um, menstrual disposable, disposable menstrual products are one of the top 10 waste in the ocean that you find on beaches all over the world. Um, and so I just, I really think that, you know, what we wanted to do with the carbon label um, was actually compensate not just the whole life cycle of our product to make our products carbon neutral, but also bring full transparency to our customers in terms of what, how are we doing? How is PNC's doing as a brand? And, and how can we improve? And so if you don't have your number, and I think a lot of brands also use third-party data in terms of like, oh, we use this material and the average for the world for this material is no. Like we actually went through and said, how long distance is each of our factories that we work with? How far away is each of our manufacturers that we work with and, you know, elastics and, and you know, raw materials. And so, uh, and having that uh, self-awareness, not just in terms of materials, but transport, packaging, um, use, disposal. So the full life cycle of the product, it helps you really understand how, how we can also improve. And it's not just about the transparency and education, but it's also about a commitment. Sustainability is an ongoing commitment. There's no such thing as a sustainable product and an unsustainable, you know, it's like sustainability is a commitment to always be improving and reducing your negative impact. And um, for example, one thing that really surprised me with our carbon label is about 20% of our uh, carbon emissions for our product is using the product, but not just specifically using on your body, but the um, chemical soaps that are used What's for water. They're really bad for the environment. I had no idea how bad that they were. And I'm like, you know, that's something that could be a huge opportunity for us to look at, you know, having a more natural product that we can then reduce dramatically that, that negative impact. Um, to put that in context, just um, panties versus traditional tampons, it's something staggering, isn't it? Is it like close to 20 kilos of CO2 for regular tampons? Exactly, yeah. No, it's a, like 20 times. Wow. Um, I mean, like orders of magnitude, it's just actually so, it's so staggering. Like, and it's so difficult to find this information. Like, I've been looking at everybody's being told to buy electric cars at the moment. And I'd be like, I'm sitting with a diesel van. And we're like, what do I do? Do I get the electric thingy? But I know that's like more consumption. And I know consumption is our problem here. And we just don't know unless we're given these figures. I had to go doing loads of digging to find out it takes between 20 and 50,000 tons of CO2 to build my new car and maybe four to 6,000 tons for a battery. And I like, that's not consumer friendly information. Like, you know, it needs yeah. to be like part of our language. So I really applaud you on actually putting that on the box and starting that conversation. You know, the thing is that the people who won't put it on their box are the people who aren't proud of what they're doing. That's the problem. Yeah, no. And I think that there's a lot of reports coming out. A lot of 
you know, greenwashing and, and companies wanting to have sustainable communication about, oh, we eliminate how many, you know, menstrual products, but, you know, sustainability has to be integrated into every aspect of the business. It has to be integrated into how you source materials. It has to be integrated into your entire supply chain. It has to be integrated into um, how you ship products as well and, you know, how you're structured. As a, so it's, it's a commitment that's much more than that. And, um, and I think that, you know, you mentioned about cars. I think that consumers don't have a lot of information. They don't have a complete picture of like, you look at, oh, for example, hybrid cars. Oh, it's great because you reduce, but that's just on the use side. But like to create a hybrid vehicle, does it take more energy to create that vehicle? We don't, you know, we need that information to make a decision and say, oh, I'm going to have a car for, you know, five or 10 years. And then to do that calculation on, for me, what's going to actually be a, a lower impact. Yeah. So I mean, being grown up consumers is actually like, it's a serious job. Like it's a really serious job. We're, we're only like at the tip of the iceberg of being able to understand like how we're going to, if we're going to live in a society that actually has consumption patterns that are globalized, how much work it's going to take. We're going to have homework to do. Like I have a greening book, which I, a greening journal that I started just recently specifically for that car project. And I'm like, that's going to fill up because it's going to be like every single thing I look at. I'm like, anytime you want to do something with your house, anytime you want to like do something like clothing is obviously a huge part. Like you're saying, all of these activities we have. I was Christmas looking trees. into Christmas trees <laughs> oh recently and going like, is it more sustainable to buy an artificial tree or to use regular trees and cut them down? Like what is the more sustainable option? And what is it? And it seems like, a real Christmas tree is more sustainable than an artificial one because it takes up to 11 uses of an artificial one before it starts to become sustainable. Oh, and most years. people don't use them 11 times. Most there you people go. use them two or three times and then they throw them away again. Okay. And even that is interesting because you would have just assumed, okay, well, it's sustainable. Two or three times so few. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't it mm. amazing? I know. And yeah. so, and those are, you know, and who knows if that's the real picture, but it's people that I trusted who looked into it and they really broke it down. So you're like, oh, huh, okay, that's interesting then. Like yeah. how, how do we make those choices? And like, where do we find them from and all those kinds of things and I think it's a minefield so it's so brilliant when you have a company that you can mm -hmm. trust that people are doing that work and the thing is transparent and like you said it's not perfect right now because it's an ongoing conversation it's only as good as the information that you have right now but you're making a promise to continue that conversation and to continue being curious and asking the right questions and that's where the trust starts to build yeah. in that company yeah. exactly exactly and um, I just have a question about other ranges that you do oh, because yeah. I know you do a teen range I think and then mm -hmm. also you do some breastfeeding bras and can you tell us just what the other offshoots are just for people who want sure. to know no, I think um, we're definitely committed to innovation so uh, I think we have one of the biggest portfolios in in the space right now um, so we were the first brand to launch absorbent leak proof nursing bras. Um, I think that, you know, disposable pads for nursing are also a, a huge market. They're super expensive. They're even like way more expensive than menstrual, menstrual pads or tampons. Um, and so bringing more comfort and sustainability to new moms is a big focus as far as and, you know, postpartum we have a postpartum line as well. Um, we also have the teen line that you mentioned. We have a swim line, um, which is also really exciting. And all of our swim line is made also with biodegradable um, fabrics. So that's something that, you know, we really look at, you know, innovating and, and working with more sustainable raw materials. We have a pharmacy line in partnership with Johnson & Johnson. Um, we have a um, trans a trait here. Sorry. Excuse me? 
Oh, sorry. sorry. The, the training gear. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> we have the fitness. Yeah, the fitness yeah. line as well, um, which I think would be great for, like you said, yoga teachers and like people who are very active or cyclers. I think that's a big, you know, it's so uncomfortable to you know be using disposable products as cycling. And we launched this year as well, the incontinence line that I already mentioned, and then a trans line for men who menstruate. So we launched boxers. Um, that are menstrual boxers. And that was a really, that was an exciting launch. That was something that we got such amazing feedback from, from the market. And, you know, I think in all of our communications, not just breaking the taboo around menstruation, but being very inclusive um, is something that we really focus on bringing, you know, all different body shapes and all different skin tones, but also recognizing that, you know, it's not just people that identify as women that are menstruating and, and bringing that into the conversation as well. Um, so I wouldn't say that we're like for people who menstruate, but I would say that we're for everyone who menstruates and we recognize that some of them identify as women and some who identify as men and some who maybe don't identify as anything. And that's great. So we have a lot of, um, you know, I think that's a, a dialogue that we, we work with a lot with our community because it's something that, you know, is important nowadays amazing i mean it's like, it's like the least myopic brand i've ever heard of yeah. it's like the most like it's blowing my mind like how do you you're styling for those markets as well so it means you have the designers that understand those markets and yeah, we do a lot of coke. So like the trans product, we actually co-created with um, a community of trans influencers and, uh, and they helped us actually develop the product. So um, what, picking the style, picking the fit, testing prototypes. And I, I think that that's a, a, I think that's the future. I mean, brands shouldn't be creating products in a vacuum and launching them mm -hmm. and saying, look what we did, you know? I mean, brands should be really working hand in hand with the community. And I think that, you know, we're never gonna be more evolved than our community. And so our community educates us every day on, mm -hmm. you know, what, what the needs are, where the opportunities are, you know, what products are missing and, and what would actually make people's lives better. And, you know, a big benefit to being a digital, mostly digital brand as well, is that for a big company to launch what would be perceived as a niche product or a product that would just be for a very specific audience, it's so expensive because you have to be able to have products for, you know, hundreds of stores and, mm -hmm. you know, and it, but being a more digital brand, we can launch, if I can deliver a higher quality of life for 1% of the market, we'll do it because we're focused on that impact. And so, you know, if we can bring a, a big impact even to a very small segment of the market, um, we're committed to that. And I think that that's, that's something that our community's really been excited about and embraced a lot. Amazing. So exciting and so yeah. great. Thank yeah, you so much for this chat. Thank you so much. It's yeah. been brilliant. Um, it's such an area of learning for me as well. It's really, I, I just really in, uh, like enjoy and embrace these opportunities to talk with women about mm -hmm. these things in ways that aren't, like I don't feel like, I'm a threat. I don't feel, I'm just curious. And it's great to be allowed to be curious in, the, in these um, regions, which maybe aren't like things for me as a consumer, but there's something I feel like I should know about in order to understand the plight, the experience of people who are not me as well, right? Yeah, and I think it's so nice because I think the more men that are really comfortable to talk about this stuff and really understand about it, the more it enables and empowers other men to talk about mm. it. And, you know, you want dads to be able to talk to their daughters about mm. it. It shouldn't be the sole responsibility of the mothers to do it. And some kids don't have mothers. So the dads <laughs> are in that space mm. where they have to do it. And I think the more that that becomes a normal conversation, if the dads are talking to the daughters, then it can be a thing where it's not becoming that thing. 
thing where you can't talk about it. Like I make, I make like an active point of just generally talking about it all the time. And I remember when I first used to go into corporates and do yoga and I would say, and if you're menstruating today, this pose isn't really appropriate for you. Or if you're in the first, second or third day of your period, do this one or whatever. There'd be this kind of slight flinching from people like, oh my God, she said period. She or I'd be like, I'm on my period today, so I'm not going to do this one or whatever. And people are like, what? And then, but then soon after like three or four times of doing it, people are like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, she's talking about periods again, grand. Mm. And then it gives people permission to say that, you know, I'm going to sit this one out because I'm on my period, I'm going to rest. And, you know, I think the more we bring that conversation in, the more this kind of stuff gets out and the more it filtrates down to the younger kids. And I just think about how much easier it would have been to be a teenager, mm. to know that you have panties, you just buy them in advance, you have them in your drawer, you've probably worn them a million times when you get your period, wherever that happens. Because for me, it happened like on a boat in the middle of the ocean, far away from my parents. If I just had a pair of panties that I was wearing anyway, it would have just been so much easier and all that stress and worry and fear would have just dissipated yeah, totally. instantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's such a beautiful thing that it's allowing that breakdown of the barriers and just, yeah, like you said, ease for everyone. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, and I think that imagine if it's taboo for women, it's just that much more taboo for men. But when you think about, you know, especially couples, I think that men need to know about periods, whether you're trying to have a child or not trying to have a child, or, you know, I think it's empowering just, you know, trying to understand the moods and the dynamics of, of the female hormones. I mean, if you look at the, the hormone cycle of women over the course of months, it's your body is literally going through so many changes and that's totally natural and normal. And the more you understand that, the more you're empowered to, you know, understand yourself and, and, and make the most of that. So, and Male I think- hormonal cycle research is the thing I'm calling for. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Nobody's doing that one yet. No, and I, I think it brings a lot of empathy to, to, to relationships as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And for the young girls, I mean, I think that that's something about being an apparel product too, that we see a lot of girls that are 10 or 11 that, that buy our panties and then they say, oh, I'm ready to menstruate. I'm ready for my first period. And like, cool. they're excited because it's a, it's a fashion product. And I think you don't see like people going to a pharmacy and buying, you know, tampons being <laughs> Are you ready to have your first <laughs> And so I think that that's, you know, my like dream is that the next generation, they don't even see menstruation as a bad thing. They see it as yeah. like a part of a new cycle and like something you should actually be grateful for. Yeah. And I think, I think just to add to that, the fact that you do swimmer is a massive thing because especially when you're a teenager, I remember I was the first person to menstruate in my school because um, I got my period when I was 11 and there just wasn't any setup. Like we did group swimming lessons and suddenly I couldn't swim. Mm. Like I didn't use Tampax and there was not, it was like, oh, so I had to sit out on the side and then everyone had to know that I had my period. And mm. that just sounds like nothing now. You'd be like, whatever. But as a teenager, you're just yeah, like mortified sure. that everyone <laughs> would know. And this yeah. just means that it means people can go on holidays they can swim in the sea they mm. can do all those things and you know that's just a as a woman who knows what it's like to have to think oh god i'm getting my period on my holiday what am i going to do about that it's just amazing to have that freedom yeah yeah okay Thank you so much, Emily. It's been such a great chat. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you taking the time in your very, very busy life. I can only imagine your brand is doing so many things and uh, so many things for the world. So thank you for that as well. Um, it just 
Just remains for us to thank our sponsors, um, Newsest, uh, our nutrition partners, fantastic vegan nutrition partners. Uh, if you guys haven't heard about all the good things that they're doing, they're fantastic vegan protein, which is grown in Europe, uses less water, packed in fully fully recyclable packaging, is like better for the planet, better for you, etc. Um, also, Clear Light Saunas, thank you very much to them as well. Infrared light and therapy has been one of the things I think that's helped me through the last few years personally, and it's so powerful for human health. Light as therapy is a big thing um so i want to say thanks to them and thanks to the audience for watching and uh, hopefully we chat to you again soon cheers emily bye bye bye, bye.